Well, good morning. Hey, oh, that was good. I like that. Hey, we're going to be in Acts chapter 24 this morning. If you want to turn there, we'll be jumping in there in a minute. Um, hello to you all. And hello to those joining us online. Um, if you happen to be a first time, we're really glad you're here. And uh, we'd love to say hello to you. So come by the Connections desk after the service and um, Taylor will be there to, to say hi. And I tell you anything you might want to say. So maybe I said it like she would say it. I don't know. Uh, all right. I'm coming at you with both barrels this morning. Here we go. Nine o'clock folks were real. They, they answered it. They were like out loud about it. So we'll see how you do. Do you judge other people? Oh, man. Why you got to bring that up, Shannon? Um, do you pass judgment on other people? Like, you know, you can look at someone and maybe by the way they're acting or what they said or even how they look, and you're like, oh, they're the worst, you know. Um, I got to uh, help out with the salt with our middle school students last Sunday night, and the, the lesson was on Zacchaeus, who, if you know the song, he was a wee little man. And I think, like historians say, he was like less than five feet tall, and so, you know, he had to get up in a tree. And, and so, you know, he was, people judged him. And it was one, because of his stature, some did. But also because he was just like a corrupt tax collector. And he, he stole all their money. But the, the lesson was, and the students were asked, like, do you judge other people? And they were like, oh, yeah. And they started, it was like, no, no, don't say specifics. We don't want, we don't want a who. We want to hear about your teacher. Like, no. But, it, like, they were real. They are like, yep, this happens. This is a real thing. And so... I ask that question of you today because we're going to see something kind of play out with judging. And I will confess, I will confess to you, and I, I've probably mentioned this before, and it, it's not made up and I'm not trying to be humorous. I, I thought about one of the things I judge people about that it brings up almost a visceral response within me. And I'm not, I don't know why, I have no skin in the game when it comes to this, but for some reason I have a response to it, and it is, and I'm, I really, I promise you I'm not kidding, because it's so stupid. I judge people who don't put the shopping carts back where they go. <laughs> okay, I'm not the only one. Well, well, I don't know, I really do not know why, but if I, like there's a perfect little home for them there in the, in the parking lot that you could just like go and put them in and it's right there. And I know Publix is hard and it's a hill and you're like, oh, but it's like, put it back where it goes. And I really do, like if I see someone leave a cart, like leave it just rolling like a tumbleweed through the parking lot, I'm like, that person is lazy and irresponsible and I do not trust them. Like, and that's really like, I'm not, like that is the feeling I get, like what is, and that's, that's kind of bad. I mean, I think that's not good, but they could, they could have a crying baby in the car. You know, their, their house could be on fire. Like, there could be something going on I don't know about. But when I see that happen, I'm like, I judge them. I make this, this harsh judgment about them. And I just, it's just the way it is. And I think you guys probably, I know some of you feel the same way I do. Some of you probably have these other things where you're just like, I judge people. And you, sometimes you can be like, and I have a reason for it. And other times you're like, I have absolutely no reason for it, but I still judge people. Right? Well, I want to tell you this. Uh, I think you already know this to be true, a fact. In the court of public opinion, because we're going to talk about this today, in the court of public opinion, everyone is judged by others. Everybody judges everybody else. There's something, it's the sin nature within us. We, we look at other people, we view other people, and we have this judgment. It's not like constant, but it's there. And what we find in Acts 24 
is this is still true. In the court of public opinion, everyone's judging everybody else. But it's about more than, for my example, it's, it's not about petty something like a shopping cart. So I want to set up the context a little bit for you. Paul is continuing his ministry. He knows he, he's going to Jerusalem. He knows he's supposed to go. He's been called to go. Um, his friends are like, no, don't go. It's going to be bad. Prophecy has been spoken over him. You're going to be in chains. You're going to be uh, arrested. You're going to be treated poorly. Um, it's just, it's, all this is coming to pass. Um, in Acts 23, I encourage you to go read it later, but they're really coming hard after him. I mean, to the point that 40 uh, zealous uh, religious guys are like, we're not going to eat or drink until we kill Paul. I mean, so they're like, this is, it's getting serious. And here in Acts 24, um, what we find is the, the Jewish leaders are, they're accusing Paul, they're judging Paul, there's, I think there's jealousy, I think there's, there's pride issues, there's a whole lot of, of all those like sinful things that we're supposed to not have within us. And they're, they're, they're just like, we hate Paul, we hate him. They, they believe that he's leading other Jewish people astray when it comes to you know, talking about Jesus or the way. Um, it's definitely messing with the religious system that has been in place forever. And so they just, they're, they're coming after Paul and they're, and they're, they're going to make some false accusations. They're going to judge him falsely. And we're going to see this in a minute. Now, the starting of this, it sounds like, it sounds like the beginning of a joke because a high priest, some elders and a lawyer they, go, they don't walk into a bar. They go before the governor, Felix, okay? And Felix was known to be a brutish man. He was um, angry, mean, um, not, not, grace, not full of grace or mercy at all. Um, this is what his reputation was. And um, his wife, actually, Drusilla, is um, the daughter and hence like the granddaughter of one of the Herods that that went and killed a whole lot of babies. So, I mean, like, this is, a, this is a power couple, but not in a good way. And uh, we're going to find out more about them. So, we pick up here where this lawyer for uh, the religious leaders, his name is Tertullus, he has, they've captured Paul, and they've come before go the governor Felix. And this is where we pick up in verse 5 of Acts 24. And it says, so here we're talking about the accusations and the judging. The attorney says, we have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple. So we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. Now, you probably know this, but sometimes there can be a tiny little bit of truth that gets exaggerated. There can be a little bit of information that can get blown out of proportion. Um, and sometimes this can be about you. So if we know anything about Paul, who was so devout, but he also loved Jesus, what we know is that this man will not desecrate the temple of God. Not going to do it. Um, the reason they said he desecrated the temple was because, and he admits this at some point, that he had raised his voice when he was talking to the religious leaders. 
I mean, I don't know what you think of when you think desecrating the temple, but I don't think of someone raising their voice. I think of something worse. So you can see how they like magnify every accusation, every judgment against him. They say that he was um, uh, the ringleader of a, a Nazarene sect. Like they wouldn't even, they purposely did not use the term the way because the way was this uh, movement that, that people, even Felix, knew of. And it was these people who were saying, this Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. And these people, it, that are part of the way, their lives were changing. Like they were different people. They were, they were living differently. They were, they were doing business differently. They're, they were turning their lives around, right side up. Like it was obvious. And so it was this movement that you could not deny. And so when they were bringing accusations against Paul, they didn't even want to mention the way because it kind of had, like people had heard of it and it was, it was kind of like, whoa, wow, this is powerful. So they're like, no, we're not even going to mention that. We're going to talk about it as a Nazarene sect, like an offshoot, this, this something else. So again, they're, they're making, now Jesus was of Nazareth, so that's why they called it the Nazarene sect. So they're, they're taking a little bit and they're making it bigger. And these are accusations and judgment against him. Um, I love the fact, or I say I love the fact, it's interesting to me that in verse 5 when they say that Paul was stirring up riots, he wasn't the one stirring up riots. You go read all the accounts in Acts, those who stirred up riots, he wasn't doing the stirring. He was talking about Jesus. It was the religious leaders who stirred up the riots. So again, Yes, was he speaking in, in public and was he testifying to who Jesus is and, and what Jesus had done? Yes, but they were the ones stirring. So you see there's this just accusatory, judgmental, we're going to take care of Paul attitude. All right. So now um, Paul, he makes his, he makes his defense. Um, he tells Felix, he's like, you, I don't have it in here, but he, I think it's verse 10 where he's like, you, you've judged others. You've judged many others, Governor Felix. So I, I will speak to my defense here. And he says this in verse 11. Um, you can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship. So it's like not even in the last two weeks, like I've, I've been up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they're now making against me. So he's like, whatever, all the things they've said, it's not true. You know, sometimes when people accuse us or judge us, they're actually like, they're kind of like, oh, yep, guilty as charged. You know, I was wrong. Sometimes though, people say things or accuse us and, and we have a legitimate defense. Paul has a legitimate answer to these accusations. I love this though, because there was nowhere in there they were like, and he talks about Jesus, or and he's a Jesus follower. They never say that. They didn't want to say that. But he uses the opportunity for uh, the Nazarene sect comment that they made. He uses it, as he always does, as this springboard, because this is what he says in verse 14. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. 
I believe, and this is, this is, I love this. He goes, I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, which is what his accusers believed. And he's saying, I believe everything they believe. Verse 15, and I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have. He's looking at his accusers standing before Felix. He's like, we believe the same thing. We have the same hope. We believe the scriptures. But then he says this in the last part of verse 15. He goes, and, and oh, by the way, the same hope, the, the, his accusers were like, oh, no, we believe there's going to be a resurrection of the righteous and the wicked. We believe that a Messiah will come. They just didn't agree on who it was. But he says this, I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. The righteous and the wicked. And that's actually where I kind of want us to zoom in on a little bit together this morning. So first of all, Paul disproves the false accusations. And then more importantly, he says, we, including my accusers, we're all, we're all waiting on this. We're all waiting for that, that day. God's going to make all things right. And in order to make all things right, and we're going to look at some other scripture outside of Acts together. In order to make all things right, um, here's what needs to happen. God will make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. A distinction there. Even though that might be uncomfortable to hear, it's actually good news. See, our God would not be a good God. Our God would not be a just God if there, unless there's an accountability. Unless there is a, you, have, you, have, you believe in me or you do not. You are righteous because of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we can be righteous. Or you have not believed and therefore you do not receive the righteousness that God offers to us. Now, before we look at some other scripture, I want to show what else uh, Paul says. It's, he like tags us on. There's really no reason for him to add this on, but it's important to note because they're accusing him of being someone who uh, uh, they would say he's acting wickedly. And he would say, no, actually, uh, exact opposite. I'm, I'm trying to pursue righteousness. And he says in verse 16, he says, so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. I try to live a life where I'm not going to bed at night with regrets and I'm not going, man, I shouldn't have done that. And oh, why did I say that? Or why did I think that way? Why did I respond like that? Like, this is what Paul is saying. He's like, not only am I not wicked, he's not saying him like, look at me, I'm great. Not only am I not wicked, or I am wicked, but Jesus' righteousness has been given to me. Therefore, I stand before God, and he does not see me as wicked. And because of that, and this is, I think, the important part, because of that, this is, this, the technical term here would be sanctification that we see Paul talking about here. He's like, I want to live my life in such a way that you can't accuse me. Or if you do, it will be disproven. I want to live my life where my conscience is clear, not just before other people, but before God. And friends, that's a step. It's one thing for us to go, man, was I good with people today? Like, did I hurt anybody? Were we all okay? But then for us to go, is my conscience clear before God? 
But this is like Paul's like, this is what I'm trying to do. So he's trying to live righteously. Now, I, make, I do want to make this point just in case uh, there's a question on this. Paul is not working for his salvation. He's not working for his salvation, not at all. Um, he's not trying to earn it. That's been settled by his faith in Jesus Christ. So he's not like I'm trying to, to, to get this that I, I read about or I hear about is made available to me. And I hope if I try really hard and do really good things that, that God will give me salvation. No, he's already earned it through Jesus, right? He's just living righteously and striving for this it, because it's his, it's his only proper response to the salvation that's been given to him. And when you really stop and think about it, because of what God has done for us through Jesus, where we were wicked, and yet the righteousness of Christ has been placed on us, our only response should be one in which we are like living in such a way where I want to be, I want my conscience to be clear before God and other people. I want to live in such a way that, that people don't have the opportunity to constantly be like, man, did you, did you hear what Shannon did? You know, did, you, did you hear what she said? Like, we, we, want to, we want to live in the righteousness that God has given to us. Here's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 14. So this is, in, this is just a continuing this, uh, just seeing kind of his thoughts and how he, he uh, wrote it out and shared it with the church in regard to wickedness and righteousness and what it means. In chapter 14 of Romans, verses 10 and 12, he asks them, he's asking the, the followers of the way in, the, uh, in Rome, why do you judge your brother and sister? Why do you judge them? Why do you treat them with contempt? And then he just, he just hits it home. He says, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. We all will. So then, verse 12, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Now this sometimes can be like a, a hold on a minute, I thought if Jesus covered us, we don't have to stand before God. We don't, listen, the righteousness of Christ has been placed on us when we believe, when we say yes to him, when we have experienced salvation and we're living in that life. But friends, we all still stand for God for the deeds done in our body on this earth. We will, we will answer to them. So as a Christian, we will answer to God for what did we do with our life as a Christian? Now, those who are not believers will also answer to that. And, and because they do not have the righteousness of Christ upon them, then, then the answer is there's the separation of righteousness and wickedness. And they fall into that category. And I know it's like, oh, we, that's, you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't talk about that. That's a hard thing to do. It's, it's the most loving thing we could do. We'll get there. So... Paul's asking, are you going to stand uh, with an accusatory, judgmental, uh, harsh attitude towards other people before Almighty God? Because you too are going to be judged. So, you know, he was like, check yourself, people. Check your heart. So here's the deal. We've established that in the court of human uh, public opinion, Everyone judges everybody else, okay? We've established that. Well, now we see from, from what Paul says in, 
in, as he's talking, but also in other writings, we see this. In the court of God, everyone will be judged by God. Everyone will be judged by God. So, like I said, that's a heavy thing. Like to comprehend this reality, in the court of God, everyone will be judged by God. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says, chapter 5, verse 10. Again, Paul's writing this out, working this out, sharing this with the church. He says this. He, he lays it out. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So as believers, saved by grace through faith in Christ, we will stand, we will, we will still be held accountable for our actions. Every individual, whether Christian or not, we're going to stand there before this. We're going to give an account. Back in our text in Acts, in verse 24, it's very interesting because Paul goes from being brought in, um, being on trial, to now it's, it's, it's as if the, it's shifted and now he's being inquisitively interviewed and it's just him and Governor Felix and his wife. So everyone else has departed and it's just them. And we pick up here uh, because it says in verse 24, several days later, so he was still in custody, still being held in custody. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. And it's important to note that because that means there was, she had knowledge. She had understanding. She, she had, I don't know how devout she was in her Jewish faith, but she had the, the lineage. And here she was, and it says that she was, she was Jewish. Um, and it goes on, it says, he sent Felix, he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about what? Faith in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul did. This is Paul's this is his life. This is what he is passionate about. He is, I thought, I don't know why in my brain, I was like, this reminds me of green eggs and ham because he's like, I will talk to you about Jesus while I'm in chains. I'll talk to you about it while I'm in the rain. I'll talk to you about, it on, you know, like all the, he will, if I'm free, I'm going to talk about him. If I'm traveling, I'm going to talk about him. I'm going to write about it in letters. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about Jesus when I'm on trial. It's like any opportunity Paul had, whether it was one person like a, a prison jailer or, or hundreds and hundreds of people or before, you know, governors and, and things like that. He was going to talk about Jesus. This is what he does. And what you find, Paul had a great ministry to the non-Jewish people, the Gentile people, but he was before the Jewish leaders a lot. And so what I see in Paul is that his passion is he wants those who either know nothing, they have no background, they have no history, they have no understanding. It's like, fine, I'm going to tell you about one. I'm going to tell you about the creator of the earth. I'm going to tell you about you, you have these statues to God you don't even know about. Let me tell you who he is, right? The people that know nothing, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. But he's also like, you know what? I want those who know some I want them to know the rest of the story. Whether you know nothing, none, or some, I now want you to know all. I want you to know. Here's the rest of the story. This is what God has done through Jesus. Look at another writing of Paul. Um, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 27 to 28. 
says this, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin. So it's not like he'll come back and we'll, okay, who did we miss? Let me take on more sin. No, no, no. He's done that once. But when he returns a second time, it says to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Those who are waiting for him are the righteous, those who have been clothed in righteousness through Jesus Christ. There's this answering. You see it come up over and over again. There's a, there's a distinction between do you know him or do you not? Do you profess him or do you not? Do you know who the Messiah is? It's Jesus, righteousness and wickedness, righteousness and wickedness. Do you know? This is what he is passionate about. He wants everyone to know the rest of the story about what lies ahead so here's what we've established, right? In the court of public opinion, everyone is judged by everybody else. And in the court of God, everyone will be judged by God, okay? Because he is right, he is just. But here's the, the other thing I want to establish, this truth, and it's a promise. And it's in the court of God, Jesus is our only defense. Because the truth is, in the court of God, everyone will be judged by God. But in the court of God, Jesus, Jesus is our only defense. Nothing else. Nothing else. Not how well we parented or how much we saved or how much we gave or, or all the things we do. Jesus is our only defense. Now, back in Acts. I want to look at a reply from Felix to this private conversation that he's, he and his wife have with Paul. It says this, it's a sad reply, it's a sad response, okay? It says this, as Paul talked about righteousness, as he talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, it says this, Felix was afraid he was afraid. And this is what he said. This is what we have recorded. Luke, remember he's the one writing all this down. Dr. Luke, very detailed Luke. He records this. This was Felix's response. He was afraid to hear about righteousness, self-control, and judgment. And his response is this. That's enough for now. That's enough for now. <laughs> like, that's enough for now. You may leave. And when I find it convenient, I'll send for you. Now, Felix is probably starting to feel that now he's, as the table turned from Paul's on trial to now Paul's kind of being interviewed, like tell us more about the way. Felix, I'm, I'm just really guessing here, but it, is that he feels like now he's on trial. As Paul talks about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, that Felix starts to feel like, hold on a minute, but I'm Felix. I'm the governor. I'm, I'm in charge. I have all these responsibilities, right? He's... Paul, when he says to him, uh, when he's like, you judge people, you've judged a lot of people. And just like you judge people, Felix, God will judge you. And he didn't like that. Enough. That's enough for now. That's enough. Let's stop there. You know, when I find it convenient, this is not convenient, obviously, for Felix. 
This is very inconvenient for him. He was afraid. He, he delays pressing further, like tell me more, or even, oh, I believe. You, you've laid this out before me, Paul, and I believe what you've said. He, he's like, no, no more. Now, here's the deal. Though you read on and you see where Felix calls Paul before him many times after that, but as Luke does, he points this out. He was hoping to get a bribe. He wanted a bribe from Paul so Paul would free him or so that he would free Paul or you know give him special treatment or whatever. But it, there's nothing in here, detailed Dr. Paul, there's nothing in here where Paul's like, and then finally Felix believed. Or after they met like 12 more times, then Felix said, yes, we have no record of this. And friends, I'm just, I think it would be in the scriptures if Felix believed. I mean, why would that be left out? It's so important to this, to this story. So we have this inconvenient truth for Felix. And what you find in here is that, what I see is that Felix has a worldview, right? He has a way of living and seeing and operating in the world. Okay, that's a worldview, what he believes about the world and the people in the world. And it did not mesh with these three specific concepts that Paul is laying before him. It didn't, his worldview did not mesh when Paul speaks of righteousness. Well, I, you know, what, is, what kind of righteousness is, is Felix living in? It, at best, self-righteousness, but that doesn't get you very far, right? And then he talks about self-control. Well, like I said, like Felix had a reputation for being a brutal man. And then thirdly, this, this concept of the judgment that is to come, like just as I sit here on, on this throne and, and rule and, and make judgments on people and circumstances, I'm going to be judged, you're telling me this, Paul? And this, this didn't mesh with him. He didn't see, see, we're standing in church, so hopefully when you hear the word righteousness, you're like, that's a good word, I like that word. Well, it's, it's because we understand, hopefully, that it's connected to who Christ is. We don't have righteousness on our own. It's received through Jesus. So when Felix hears righteousness, he's like, but that doesn't, I don't have any say in that. It doesn't involve me. Self-control, these aren't good things to him. So when you think about these three words that Paul's speaking of, he's very specific. Again, Luke records this. There's a reason for it. He says, I'm going to talk about righteousness, self-control, and the, the judgment to come, the final judgment. I want to help us think about these three words in context to what does that mean for us? Or how do we, how do we understand this? Well, here, here it is. Righteousness, you can think of it like this. Righteousness through Christ is victory over our sins of yesterday. Okay, it's, it, it covers our past. It covers, it covers the sins that, that we have just lived in our life. Self-control is victory over the temptations of today. See, that puts a little bit of, we, we gotta, we're a participant in our faith, friends. We don't just go, oh, Jesus died for me and rose again, so I'm going to clothe myself with his righteousness. This is great. But then we do nothing? We don't exercise self-control? No, that's, that's a recipe for, for not good things. <laughs> okay, definitely not good witness. 
all right? If we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ and yet our lives, our actions, our words don't, don't line up. So self-control is important for us. This is why Paul talked about it. And then, so, so um, self-control is victory over the temptations of today. And the final judgment is victory over the accusations of tomorrow because we do have an enemy. We do have an enemy. We do have one who will, wants to accuse us. You go back to what, what did Paul say? He goes, therefore, I want to live um, with, with a clear conscience before God and other people. He had, a, he had a healthy understanding of, of knowing that his sins had been forgiven, but that he was living in it while here on earth. So he wanted to practice self-control and that when the day of judgment comes, that, that he, he will be seen as, as innocent, as, as not guilty because of what Christ has done. And when he has to answer for the deeds done in his body as a believer, that he would have good answers. <laughs> All of this is through Christ Jesus. Now, I want to look again in verse 25 where it says that Felix is afraid. Depending on your version, some translations say that he was alarmed. Some say he was frightened. Others say he trembled. I think all three of those, they do a really good job with that word. You know, because we could... You know, I could walk around the corner of my house and Drew could be standing there. I'd be like, ah, you know, I'd be like, oh, I was afraid for a minute. That's not the kind of afraid that Paul's feeling. This is a trembling, frightened, alarming response to Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. Something about Paul's message messed with Felix's heart. Something caused him to respond that way. And maybe um, it messes with your heart a little bit too. Maybe it's challenging you a little bit. Maybe it's pushing against your heart a little bit. Maybe it's pushing against what you um, hold dear. And when you hear the words righteousness, and self-control, and the judgment to come, you're like, hold on a minute, where do I fit in this? Now listen, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't like messing with people's hearts. It's just a, re, it's a reality. He doesn't like doing it, but he loves us. He loves us, and he wants us to know he made a way for us. You know, maybe, um, well, like I said at the, towards the beginning, you know, sometimes people go, should you ever talk about judgment? Should you ever talk about the final judgment? Is, you know, how, you know, that might turn a lot of people off. But like I said, I think the most loving thing you could ever do is tell a person the truth about eternity. It's like, why would we leave that part out? We need to tell the truth about eternity. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who loves you. There is a heaven waiting for you. And it's all available through Christ. There is the forgiveness of sins and it's available through Christ if we accept him. But if we reject him, there is a certain judgment to come. There is. 
Maybe, maybe you uh, know someone. You, as we're talking about this, you're like, oh, I know, I know. You're thinking of the person. You've you got their face in your mind. You got their name. Maybe it's a couple of people, and you're like, I want them to know the truth. But I feel like they've given me a Felix, you know, and they've been like, that's enough for now. You know, we'll we'll talk about it another time when it's more convenient. And you just you you feel like you're receiving that. I'm telling you, the most loving thing we can do is to be available to continue that conversation. Because when, when Felix said, that's enough for now, he has said what many, many, many people have said through the ages when they've been confronted with the person of Jesus Christ. That's enough for now. I'll, I'll think about it later. I'll get back around to that, you know. Maybe it's a, a younger person, and I'll, I'll wait till I get married and have kids, and we'll come back to church, you know. Or, you know, we're going through a crisis now. Let me, let's, can we talk about this Jesus thing again? The answer is yes. Yeah, we'll talk to you about Jesus again. But why delay? Why put it off? Why push it back? In, in 24 years of, of, of doing ministry, I have, I have seen, and you probably, some of you have probably done this too when you've talked to people you know, if you're sharing the message of Christ with them and they're just, they're not. I have seen with my own eyes, people's eyes kind of glaze over when you start talking about Jesus and like the reality of eternity and the forgiveness of their sins and for what it would look like for them to, to walk in new life. And I've seen eyes glaze over and it's like, they were just like, that's enough for now. Didn't say those words exactly. Just saw it. I've seen it as I've stood on the stage. I've seen it sitting across from a table. I've seen it in conversation. I've just seen it. And, and many of you probably have too. But there might be some of you here that are going, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that person. I've been that person. See, what we find in Scripture a couple times is, is the question that people ask. When they've been told about Jesus, they ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Like, you've told me the good news. I want this good news. What do I do? And the answer is to call on the name of Jesus, to profess him as Lord, right? To profess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. So we know that answer. I want to I want to pose the the opposite side of that question. What must someone do to be lost? What must someone do to fall into the category of wickedness instead of being given the being clothed in righteousness? What must someone do? And the answer friends is nothing. Do nothing. Say that's enough for now, and I'll maybe if it's convenient later, we'll we'll talk again. Do nothing. Don't make a choice. Put it off. Do nothing. So I want to give everyone an opportunity today to to evaluate your life, evaluate your choices evaluate um, where you are. 
Have you believed? Are you leaning on? Are you trusting in nothing else, no one else, but Jesus Christ? That's the first and most important question. Because if, if you don't, today you can say yes to him, not, not put him off anymore. You've never really authentically said, I believe Jesus is the Lord. Today, today, be that day. Maybe you've wandered from him, and, and when, whenever, you know, like those three words, righteousness, self-control, and the final judgment, you know, there's, there's a part of you going, I, I, I know I'm covered. I know I'm good. But like you hear the word self-control and you think, or even like the word righteousness, even though you know from scripture that you've been clothed in that, if you call in the name of Jesus, it's like, I don't feel like that's my name. I don't feel like I'm living into that, in that identity. I don't feel like that would be the name tag that I would put on myself, you know? Today, you just say, oh, no, I'm, I'm, this is the truth from God's word, and, and I'm, I'm not going to glaze over, and I'm not going to say, that's enough for now. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean in to you, Lord. Let's pray together. Father. Lord, I thank you that in your word, in the scriptures, in, from the Bible, we see this. We, we know this, that you, you give us these accounts. They're not just, they're stories, yes, but they're not fiction. They're not made up. These are accounts of, of how you <laughs> come before us and you, you give us a choice. You give us the choice. And though the choice that Felix made was to do nothing, to wait, to put you off, here's what I see. What a mercy it was that you put Paul in that courtroom to testify to your goodness. What a mercy it was that you gave that opportunity for Paul to sit down with a man and his wife and tell them the truth of your gospel. You're merciful that way. You make the message available and known. God, I pray for anyone listening to this right now who may have put you off, who may have said that's enough for now, that they, their, their heart has been hardened. And maybe they've thought, okay, one day, one day I'll get around to it, I'll get around to it. Lord, I, I pray that you would, you would remind them, you would tell them right now that, see, the world will say, well, let's deal with it tomorrow. God, we have an enemy who says, oh, let's just, let's just do the, you can talk about Jesus tomorrow. But what I know to be true from your scripture is you speak in the present tense and you say that today is the day of salvation. 
And I pray that is true for your people today, for all of us here. Lord, if there's any among us who have not called on your name, today would be the day they say yes, that they release their lives, they respond to you, they surrender their lives to you. And for those of us that need to come home, we need to, we need to, we need to double down. We need to invite you to overwhelm our lives where we see we have fallen short. Father, we, we pray this prayer. Lord, I pray this is the prayer of, of someone's heart today. Lord, I give you my life. I know I've sinned against you. I, I know I've done this. Would you please forgive me? I believe in Jesus. I believe he came from heaven to earth. I believe he lived. I believe he died. And I believe that in his death and in his resurrection, he took care of my sins. And I am raised to new life. Lord, I turn to Jesus. He is master. You have my life, Lord. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit, God, and help me to live a life that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, as we spend the remaining time together, I mean, the reason we don't just like turn up the lights and turn everything off and walk out the door upon hearing a message and saying amen is that we have an opportunity to respond to God's word and what his Holy Spirit is working in our hearts. So respond. If you need to spend time praying at the kneelers, do so. Please do so. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to know it. I'd love to talk to you after the service. Or you can come see Taylor and John in the lobby of the Connections Desk. We want to walk alongside you on this journey. But take the opportunity to respond to God this morning because of what he has done through Jesus. Let's worship together.